been a, a privilege over the last six weeks getting to have different people from uh, from the church family get to lead us in prayer. Uh, I really believe that we learn a lot about prayer just by hearing other people pray and and getting to be reminded that we get to pray to a king who is faithful and amazing to God. And I don't know if you've sat in this over the last few weeks, but just this idea that what a privilege it is that we can talk to each other and, and, and just be reminded of even in the last few moments of who he is. Because it's in those moments that we're more who he is that we can, we can keep going. We can keep going because we know who he is. And that's what we want to do. Hey, my name is Nick Schreiber. I'm the peer pastor at New City. It's always a privilege to get to open up God's word and preach God's word. Isaiah chapter 6 uh, this morning, so if you want to uh, start making your way there, uh, we'll, we'll be there in here in just a couple minutes, but, um, and and if you're new and visiting, we're just glad, glad you're checking New City out this week, we're glad, and, and at the end of the service, we, I, I just would offer us, well, just please, we'd love to have you stop by the next week, we'd love to get to know you. Um, over the last six weeks, we as a church have been in our summer sermon series, Let Us Pray. Today marks part seven, and it's the last and final message of our series, and man, we could have spent so much more time here, um, and honestly, it's part of the Christian walk, so we'll, we will spend the rest of our lives uh, learning how to pray and, and dig in, and, um, but I hope it's been good for you. I know it's been a challenge and so, so motivational and encouraging for me, um, even even just, just getting to think about my own prayer life and thinking about this quote by David Platt, a pastor, and he says this, he says, the primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to know something. It's not to just, hey, what, what's going, what can I ask for today? But prayer is a gift that God's given to his people, and by which we can walk with him and get to know him and know him. But I will say that, that for many of us, functionally at times, Sick. You know, we talk a lot in church, don't we, about, hey, read your Bible, pray, hey, Sabbath. 
time for silence and solitude. Make sure you find time to walk with Jesus, but it's but it's not just for the discipline's sake. It's it's for something greater. It's for getting to know Him, getting to be in a place like this where we get to remind us to worship Him. Because in order to grow in Christ, we need Christ. In order to grow in our our relationship with Jesus, we need Jesus. Um, and when we when we get that mixed up, we we kind of look very similar to like the Pharisees. They did a lot of spiritual practices. They did a lot of praying. They did a lot of Bible reading. They did a lot of all this stuff, but they they missed the main thing, which was about him. And I, I do hope that through this series that you remember that it's not about getting something, but it's about worshiping something. You know, in this series, uh, I don't know if you've kind of been been tracking, but if you if you haven't, please go back and listen. But but also part of getting to know someone. does it? What's the mission and mark of Christ and his kingdom? 
chapter 4, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus, describing Jesus. For he has anointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor. He has sent Jesus to proclaim the captives will be released, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the blind will see. So Martha has deep admission that Jesus is the Christ. But through Christ, and in Christ, when our eyes are open, when we're able to truly see, we need to continue to grow and to guide our eyes to the Spirit of God, to transform the way our hearts and our minds see and watch the world and to know the meaning as we walk in truth every day, every day, for the rest of our lives. And all this is season. And I think at times, God graciously gives us moments where we can see Him in His completion. And I, I wonder if there's been moments like that for you where you just think about a moment in your life, or maybe maybe you were in a certain spot or a moment, or maybe God God caused you to, to see Him, maybe not physically see Him, but to see Him in a place of those where you're like, okay, those gracious gifts that he gives to us are really to help us grow in Christ. The passage we're going to look at today, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, is one of the most remarkable passages about God showing himself to us. And in that, we're going to see this picture, this temple, like, all right, Lord, help me to see like that, even in the way that I pray. And so if you have a Bible, uh, you can start turning, flipping to Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Actually, I am going to have us read it together, so if you want to stand, please do. We'd love it for, for us to stand while I read God's Word to us. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8. This is the Word of the Lord to us today. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. The seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips, now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the, the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am, send me. And then we'll receive this Definitely a few interesting things in there. I mean, I mean, just think. What if, what if you had a vision like this, where you have you see the Lord sitting on this this throne, and the train of His robe fills the temple, and just even that image of like of like the train of His robe again. He's seeing the Lord high and lofty, and the train of His robe fills fills the temple, which again is kind of gives us this expanse that that the Lord's presence and His power and His glory fills every expanse. Of, of being. 
extent that this train of his robe goes and fills the temple. And then you have these seraphim, right, with these six wings, and they're calling out to each other. They're worshiping. That's the only way they, they're responding is in worship. And they're, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And, and I mean, it's just, it's just so amazing to think about. Now, I, I'll, I'll, I don't want to go too far, but man, I can just imagine like just passing out. I mean, like just going like, this is, that's the response here. It's like, think about, man, Lord, what is that even like? But there's this key phrase in verse 1, the first phrase. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. That's where everything else from the eight verses builds from. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. And so I saw the Lord is the, is the key. But, but don't miss that, that, that contextual phrase that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Because there's something significant there. And honestly, it, it helps us see even the grace of God and, and how he shows up in this moment. King Uzziah reigned for 52 years. It's remarkable. Honestly, very unique in the sense that he reigned that long. Two generations of people he got to be the king of. You know, that's, that's a lot longer than a lot of other kings of Judah were, that they, that they lived. So there was stability there. There was consistency there. He became king when he was 16. He reigned for 52 years. So think about the stability of this, of this Judah. And his reign was marked by peace and prosperity. Um, he, he brought military expansion. He brought financial security. There was, there was, there was, there was not a lot of, uh, of threat in that time. And if there was, he would send the armies out to conquer others. And so again, he, he probably had the most, the most stable kingdom next to Solomon's. And yet, he dies. And his death ushers in an era of uncertainty. His death marks a shift for the people of Judah. And from his death, from that event, begins to unravel the economic, political, and social evils that they, that they had
midst of it, guess what? What do we all want? We want answers. We want certainty. We want to get back to the stable. We want to get back to feeling like it was. We want to get back. And, and we're here, sitting here. And the, the encouragement to you guys, who alone gives that stability to us? Who alone helps us to see that, hey, things are going to be okay? Who alone says, yeah, things are moving ahead. Things won't be the same. There's still uncertainty. There's still anxiety. But but what do you do in that moment? And your encouragement is, hey, turn your eyes to Jesus because he's where we start to see. He's what will start to give us and point us to answers. And Isaiah's uncertainty, God graciously allows Isaiah to see him, and he invites us to do the same. And so in this passage, we're going to see a few things. We're going to see that in prayer, in this vision, Isaiah gets to see God for who he really is. We, we learn the next, and we won't go there yet, but man, we're going to learn that we get to see ourselves for who we are. And then we get to see the world as it is. But let's start with this first movement here. That in this vision, in this moment, Isaiah gets to see God for who he is. And in that, transforms everything else. I want you to Picture the Lord saying to your heart and to my heart right now, what do you want to see? Because in the midst of uncertainty, I would hope that's the best place. And Isaiah is given this great spiritual blessing of seeing the Lord seated on the throne in majestic power and glory. And it's not by accident that, 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 that is, even as the throne of Judah is vacant, Isaiah gets to see Commentator said that that in the midst of the earthly king dying, Isaiah gets to see see this undying king holding court in glory. And again, that that's a very real play here in the passage. That and just think about what that does to Isaiah. Isaiah is seeing what's happening. He's seeing the uncertainty. He's seeing that that the king has just died, and it's in that year that the Lord says, "I want you to see what I really am. I want you to see with eyes that are." the spiritual realm, and I want you to see me, because I'm still sitting here. I'm still in charge. I'm still in control of all things. And let me ask, let me ask us this question, too, that, that when you think about this era that we're living in, this three-year gap, this window of time, how do you want to remember this era and the new living through it? Like, I was thinking about that this week. How do I want to remember how I lived through this era? Do I want to remember myself going, Lord, this is so hard. This is so uncertain. This is so scary. There's so much... and having 
us knowing He really means us. And this image is one that inspires awe, it inspires fear. We are calling out to Him, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of Heaven's armies, the whole earth is full of Him. Lord, holy, no one is like you. You're set apart. No one like you. There's no one like you. And holiness it, it, it is a reference to His absolute moral perfection. Intensifies this idea that he's not a little bit like you. He's not a little bit separate from you. He's really, really, really like you. And it changes everything. And the whole earth is full of his glory. What if you and I walk through life, walk through our world, not only saying that with our minds, but with our words, with our actions? That would transform the world. That would transform the Our response to God's holiness is humility. And when we 
see and remember His holiness and, and His power in that. So the question, or a, a, a principle for us is if we want to live surrendered to Him, if I want to live before Him humble, then I need to keep who He is in front of me. I need to be attentive to who He is because it's in that that I begin to realize the reality of who I am as I am. So even that idea of trying to practice this in your prayer life, right? When you pray, whatever, you, however you pray, have these moments when you meditate and like, God, see who you are. Lord, I need to, I need to confess to you. I need to be really 
equip me. You'll give me the words to say. You'll help me to love the way you call me to love. But as we look up to him, as we look in to ourselves, it also changes the way we look out to our world. And in this passage, we see that in prayer, we are invited to see the world as it is. And not just see it, respond. And so the world as it is is broken and blind. You see that. He said, I live amongst the people of filthy lips too. And even in the next few verses, if you keep reading this passage, it talks about how the people are going to reject, they're not going to believe. This whole book is about judgment in, in some sort of extent, and yet God's going to bring a Messiah. He said, the world is blind. I'm going to send light into the darkness, though, but, but please know, like, the world around me is broken and blind. But the Lord's at work. Because also in the preceding verses, it says that, yeah, lots of them reject him. I'm going to uproot the nations, but there's going to be this stump that remains standing of God's people, and it's from them that they're going to be deceived of God's people. Or the Messiah is going to come from God's people that they're deceived. And the Lord is at work. And you see it also because he asks the question, who am I going to, who am I going to send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. The passage describes Isaiah's mission.
God's grace that God can really use you. And I wonder if for you, you have a similar experience. In, in some way or another, where you're going, God's grace, that's why I'm here. But where's the proof of Jose? God's grace. And when we see God, and we see ourselves, and we see God's grace given to us, we start to see the world in a way that most of them don't really understand. They don't understand this clear idea of Yes. Yeah.